everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insiders podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback and radio color analyst for the Bears. And today, it's a recap of that Oregon game. In just a little bit, I'll talk to head coach Justin Wilcox. But first, my thoughts on the game. And having to talk through that game on the air, along with my partner, Justin Allegri, it was a difficult game to call. Early on, the Bears looked like they were in it. Oregon was putting the ball on the ground. Remember, Oregon only had two turnovers coming into that game. And they put the ball on the ground. Well, he turned it over with an interception, which wasn't Bo Nix's fault, by the way. Threw a perfect pass. Uh, slipped right through the receiver's hand. It was wet. Bears get an interception. Looks like a great opportunity. And then as the Bears drive down, Fernando Mendoza literally has his right tackle driven into his lap he was wearing offensive linemen at several points during the game and so uh as he was trying to complete a pass downfield has his tackle driven into him can't throw ball goes up outside backer intercepts it and you know gets the ball back for Oregon and so on the day turnover takeaway ratio stayed neutral for both teams both teams with two turnovers an interception and a fumble but the Bears were unable to take advantage of the opportunities uh, of that opportunity. Later on, Oregon's center snapped the ball prematurely. It hit the running back or the motion man in the leg, and um, Noel Williams picked it up, scored a touchdown with it. And so, great play, smart play by Noel Williams to see that, to make the play on it. But a miscue by Oregon. That was uh, one of two touchdowns on the day for the Bears. So, it was a rough day overall. I thought that I told you going in on the podcast, Oregon was a physically talented football team. Really good up front. They were able to move the ball. They ended up rushing for net 153 yards, total 191. Uh, I thought that they had, coming into it, I thought Troy Franklin was really their big-time receiver. But I tell you what, Tez Johnson showed up in this game. They targeted him 14 times. He had 12 receptions, 180 yards. And he was just faster than the guys that were covering him inside. And so I, Tez Johnson really showed up in this game. He showed up as a very good football player uh, and made some big plays for Oregon. I thought he was big. Troy Franklin also six catches, 79 yards, one touchdown. But Tez Johnson, far and away, was the best receiver for the Ducks on the day. Bo Nix was everything that, that was advertised. Coming into that game, he was 78.3% passing. I think he was 73% passing in that game, but had a great game. 24 for, or excuse me, 29 for 38. Uh, through the one interception we talked about, but he threw for 386 yards and four touchdowns. So he was very good in that game, and that offensive line was a huge part of it, not all of it. At one point, Coach will talk about it, but Bo Nix was almost Houdini escaping, getting sacked, and ducking between a rushing uh, defensive lineman and one of his offensive linemen, and then still coming out and completing the pass on the, on the far end of it. So just a very good quarterback, and I talked about it beforehand in the podcast. He had 55 starts coming into that game. That is a ton of starts, ton of experience. By that point, he should be a very good college quarterback. So a ton of reps. A lot of looks. He understands the game. He's very efficient with the football. Very polished. Very mature. 
and he showed up in that game in a big way. So good, good player. Bucky Irving, also very good, just under 100 yards rushing. But he was a dynamic force there as well. But their ability to run the ball, to move the line of scrimmage, to protect the quarterback, and then for their wide receivers just to run by Cal's defenders, quite honestly. It, uh, speed and talent oftentimes exposes people, and that happened in this game. So it was a tough one on defense for the Bears. Giving up 63 points uh, is no bueno. Offensively, the Bears were unable to score very much either. They had one touchdown, one offensive touchdown. Um, and then one defensive touchdowns and a couple of field goals. So two good field goals, two field goals made for two attempts, which was good. That was solid. Um, early on, I thought the rushing game might be okay in this game. They established a running game. Jay Knott uh, went for almost 100 yards on the ground in this game. And they were kind of move, creating holes, not necessarily moving guys off the line of scrimmage, but they were creating holes. And so getting a hat on a hat and creating seams for running back, which is all you need if you're running back and get through it. And Jaden Knott was doing that early on. The problem is that they physically, they didn't match up everywhere across the board. And so in order to be effective running the ball consistently, um, you need to have good matchups. You need to have you know, leverage and numbers and all of that. And part of that RPO scheme is to get you into those numbers. But eventually Oregon decided, well, we're just going to leave the dudes in the box and play man on the outside. And it, it put the numbers in the wrong favor. And when they did that, they were able to get after Fernando. I told you he was wearing offensive linemen oftentimes now only one sack on the day, but he had to be pretty courageous to stand in that pocket. So I thought he, he played courageously once again, he has been absolutely thrown into the fire for his first four games. It's insane. He's uh, played Oregon State. He's played Utah. Uh, and he's played uh, SC and then, of course, Oregon this past week. So he's played against four very good, very talented football teams for his first four starts. And it's not necessarily going to get any easier this week because Washington State has some edge guys that can rush the passer. So we'll talk about that later on in our preview. But, you know, Jay Knott was good. Uh, Fernando was good. Fernando, by the way, throws the back shoulder or the throw behind ball as well as anybody in the game right now. I mean, he throws a fantastic back shoulder ball, which makes it really hard to defend. As a DB, you can be in perfect phase with the receiver, but if the quarterback can put that ball on the back shoulder and you can make the catch as a receiver, it's almost impossible to defend that play. And so Fernando has become a surgeon at, throwing like that and throwing that back shoulder ball, which is good because the receivers aren't getting a ton of separation and did not get a ton of separation in that game against Oregon. But uh, it was hard for them to stay on schedule. Once Oregon started packing the box, single high safety, putting everybody in the box, uh, and the Bears started getting the ball outside, eventually pass rush got to them. Uh, running game wasn't able to break through that. Um, and so it was tough. On offense, it was tough operating. Not a whole lot more you can say about that. I told you going in, this is a very talented football team. Phil Knight has decided that he wants a national championship team, and he has helped Oregon through the NIL to stock themselves with a very gifted football team. And it shows up. It shows up on Saturday. And um, I said it on the broadcast, I, I, I hold nothing against Phil Knight for that. This is the day and age of NIL, and that's what it is. And if you don't like it, then tough. Because right now, what they are doing 
is within whatever rule structure there is. And you knew that once they blew it up, once the NC2A gave up their monopoly, that that was going to happen. And so it has become almost a pay-for-play for guys. And when you have a huge donor like Phil Knight who wants your team to be successful, he's going to do what it takes, and that's what he's done up at Oregon. And so, quite honestly, the Bears need to find um, people that can facilitate the same type of uh, success because recruiting used to be an art where it was being able to sell your school, sell the opportunity, and all of that, and Cal matched up incredibly well in that regard, but nowadays it's all about money. What are you going to pay me to come play for you? And uh, you know, Doug Bryan was on the podcast a little while ago, and he was saying that the NFL was like mercenaries and college football was like missionaries. Well, that's not the case anymore. College football is now mercenaries as well. They're getting paid to go play at schools, and it is what it is. And so those guys, uh, if you want to compete at that level, then you have to compete at that level, and you have to have the money to do it. And so I know people are working feverishly behind the scenes. I'm trying to help out, raise money in the NIL game. But if you want to compete there, then you need to be able to raise that money to do that as well. Anyway, that's my take. Right now, let's talk to Coach Justin Wilcox uh, and get his take on this Oregon game, and then I'll come back and finish this up. Right now, i got head coach Justin Wilcox with me. Coach, there's an old axiom in football is, you know, sometimes it's the X's and O's, and sometimes it's the Jimmys and Joes, meaning the players. And so this week, as I watch game film, at times it was tough to tell those two apart. You know, players with great skills will sometimes make you look bad in terms of your technique. How much of it was players' ability being outmatched and how much of it was not playing good technique? Well, um, sometimes when you play, the better the player you're going against is, um, the more they can stress your technique. Yeah. And we played a team where there's some very difficult matchups and we didn't win enough of those, whether it's, uh, you know, blocking or tackling or covering or running a route. Um, and in order to, to give yourself a chance to win in a game like that, you have to play very, very clean and, and, you know, hit, you know, bat a uh, high percentage, so to speak on your technique and your execution. And we didn't do a good enough job of that. Um, there were, yeah. So we have to do a better job as, as coaches, uh, helping the players uh, have confidence in that and be able to execute it to the best of their ability on game day. So we have a better chance to win. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I think they kind of go hand in hand a bit there, Mike. And uh, um, so we got to, we got to do a better job. Yeah. And I mean, obviously as a player, I never wanted to say, well, that guy, you know, was better or that team was better. And that's never, it never comes into your mind as a player, but as an analyst looking at this game and watching their film, that is a talented football team. It's a road grader. Like you better, you have to be absolutely perfect in what you do. And it's hard to be perfect in any game. Right. It is hard to be perfect. I don't know that I've seen one. Um, and uh, yeah, they're very talented. That's uh you know, probably the most talented team we've played in a long, long, long time. Um, I think the difference from uh, where they were, you know, 2020 and 2021, um, it's a very different team physically uh, up there. And uh, so we got to do a better job of continuing to uh, recruit and develop uh, and retain talent here. And that's, uh, you know, and then our, our job as coaches is, again, to, to help the players uh, play at their best, whatever that might be. And 
And we got to continue to do a better job of that as coaches. Talk about the game has changed. And we've talked about this in several times, especially, you know, off camera, but talk about how NIL has changed the game. Obviously Phil Knight, and this is, this is no knock to Phil Knight or Oregon or any of that, you know, they, they're doing what's within the rules right now. How much has NIL changed the game of football? Cause you look at Washington, you look at uh, Oregon, and these are two teams that have high budget NIL numbers, you know, on their team. How much has that changed recruiting and the game? Uh, exponentially. I don't know if I have a word that would describe it better. It's the number one, two, and three factor in recruiting and retention uh, in this era of college football. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just, you see what's happening. We hear it um, based on conversations we have in recruiting. We hear it from a lot of different places on on the what the marketplace is. And uh, I think when you just kind of step back and look at um, the teams that are probably the most uh, robust in their NIL environment, it's pretty evident. And so it is, uh, it's just without question, um, exponentially changed recruiting and even retention. And so uh, there, there's never been this type of disruption in college athletics. And, and I'm, I'm glad the players are, are getting uh, compensated for their name, image, and likeness. Uh, but to say to, to minimize the impact is foolish. It is, yeah, it is massive in the impact that it's had on teams and, and talent uh, acquisition and retention. Yeah. I've got a couple of buddies that are involved in NIL at other schools. Right. And I obviously talked to the guys here at Cal and I understand kind of where the numbers are and the numbers that are being thrown around for some of these teams are pretty staggering in terms of, what these guys are making out there on the field. So anyway, that, enough of that kind yeah. of in the, in the point, any, any, anytime you start talking about people, you know, think it's an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's a way to recruit talent and recruiting used to be an art that guys were really good at or not good at. And now it's, it's become pretty strictly pay for play for a lot of these places. And so um, that's, it is what it is. That's where college football is at and you can either like it or hate it, but it doesn't matter because it's what it is. And so I think that's important for people to understand that's where the game exists right now. Uh, let's talk about uh, defense a little bit and and that Oregon offense and how good they are. You guys were able to uh, in part create a couple of turnovers. You matched their number in terms of turnovers for the year. And then part of that was pursuit being their hustle, right? Part of it was inclement weather, but part of it was, was the hustle part of getting to the play and running to the ball. Talk about how the defense worked during this game. Um, yeah, I thought the guys, we started out and were very competitive. Um, you know, got the takeaway on the first play of the game. They have a, a, a speed sometimes was tough for us to, to match, but I thought our guys were running the ball. Um, we affected the quarterback a couple times. We couldn't quite, I mean, there was one play on the third down where he, we got him out of the pocket and he kind of ducked under somebody and one, you know, sidearmed it for a first, but, um, you know, and then it was really that, that second quarter uh, where the game really changed, where we, you know, we got the touchdown off the, uh, Noel picked it up and ran it in, which was great. And then uh, they went on a long drive hit a couple third downs on that. Uh, they scored, they kicked off. We went three and out. I think we punted that one. And they, one of them, they ran back to like the 20, they scored again. So it was bang, bang. I think they scored three touchdowns and we ran three, uh, six plays on offense or something like that. So it was a really difficult stretch there. And uh, yeah, I thought, you know, the man matchups were hard. Um, and then we, 
we played some more zone. They hit us on a couple sales, layered routes where we need to hinge, hide a low better. Uh, but I thought the guys were competing. We just uh, we didn't tackle well enough and or cover well enough and or really rush well enough to make that competitive to, to the end. And it's a combination of all those things that have to be working together, right? You you make a great point. They Offensively, they were fast. And so if you're going to solo up dudes in terms of we're playing one-on-one, we're going to pack the box and stop the run, or we're going to get after the passer with pressures, now you expose yourself in the pass game as well if they can get that ball off. And so I think picking your poison against that team where there's so much poison on the field is a, is a tough one to get through. Offensively, same idea. Uh, you know, they could rush the passer. They soloed up guys on the outside all day long uh, and receivers weren't really able to get separation, but you also had pressure in the quarterback's lap right away. Talk about what was going on out there on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think the difference uh, there, um, you know, their front uh we had some good runs in there and the guys are competing like crazy. They just, uh, we had some, it was tough matchups at time up front. And even when we got some light boxes, you know, split safety boxes or we were plus one, we still had a harder time. Maybe we get three or four, but you know, usually you got, uh, maybe you can get 12 or 14 on those runs. Um, and then the uh, pass game. Yeah, it was, uh, a little had, had a tougher time getting separation uh, and some of those passes that we had a couple down the field to Tron, which is great to see nice throws by, by uh, Fernando uh, hit a nice over route to uh, who was that? Monroe, I think, but yeah, just not enough too many kind of short drives and uh, you know, the four man pass rush against protection, you know, we had some trouble with the time. So yeah, it was, it was a, a tough day all around. All around, talk about uh, your young quarterback, Fernando, once again. This is another ranked team that he has to go up against. So he has gone up against some really good football teams, the first four starts. Um, how has he grown from that? How has he improved? What does he take away from it? Yeah, it's certainly throwing you in the deep end, as you could probably cool. attest, Mike. You know, yeah. you, you're going against some really talented defenses and uh, physical, and he's taken some hits. You know, he's taken some hits and the thing I appreciate about Fernando, he just gets right back up and he's ready to go again. And it's not fake. It's genuine. Um, he's going to continue to grow and learn from all this. I, I just think it's going to, you know, it's, these are tough lessons to learn, but for him, uh, especially as a young player, these are really valuable. And I think he's going to just keep getting better. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, good quarterbacks come away with in, in situations like this is, you know, yeah, at times you have to be able to say, okay, that's that wasn't me, right? I didn't make that mistake. You can't start second guessing yourself. You still need to go out there and be the gunslinger. And I think just knowing Fernando's personality, he's going to be okay with that, right? He's always the next play, the next play, let's go get this done. Uh, although he takes things personally, I think he he is, to me in the discussion, seems like a guy who can move on. Yeah, I don't see him. He, he does take it personally. He's very prideful. He uh, is invested as anybody can be in football yeah. and what we're doing. Um but I don't see him getting gun shy and skittish. I don't, that's just not in his makeup. If you go for a thousand foot picture on this game, what do you take away? What do you tell the team and how do you move forward? Uh, well, you know, obviously we didn't play well enough anywhere. Um, very difficult uh, and very, very humbling. Um, we have a lot to play for and, you know, we have uh, three games left in the regular season. Obviously we have to win all three of those to to uh, earn our 
uh, opportunity to go to a bowl game and win a bowl game. And so that's the goal. But in order to do that, you got to go one and zero this week. And so uh, refocusing, um, giving, you know, all hands on deck because we are, I mean, there's some positions that are really, really thin right now. We got to have all hands on deck and committed to that goal. Everybody's got their personal goals of what they want to accomplish. And that's great. We want guys to have that. But the goal of the team is to go to a bowl game, win a bowl game. In order to do that, we got to go one and zero this week. So meetings, practice, you know, late in the season, as you can remember, there's the monotony meetings and yeah. of the workouts. And now is the time you have to get the last rep just right. And you got to do the little things right and taking care of your, your life outside of here. And are you getting your, your extra time in the, in the treatment center to take care of your body and eat right and uh, get that rep just how you need it on that, on that certain pass concept. So all those little things like this is time you got to dial in because it is later in the season and it isn't fresh anymore. And so, you know, the mental, uh, the, the, uh, the perseverance and the, the mentality of what it takes to be good. This is when it really can show. Yeah. And, and, you know, sunlight changes. So your circadian rhythms change, right? Your physiology changes. And so getting yourself right in terms of that, getting more vitamin D, doing the things that kind of help you to be better, the littlest things make the biggest difference. Ex excellence is never permanent, right? But the pursuit of excellence can be. And that's where guys kind of need to be every week going into it. You talked about being depleted. You have linebackers and running backs, right? Who have just taken a huge hit. Uh, Javion Thomas this week, had, you know, scary injury up there. Can you talk about where he is at, what his status is? Yeah, yeah, very scary. Um, never want to see that for anybody. And um, I am glad to report that he's doing well. And we appreciate the support that he got up there in Eugene, um, our medical staff and and the help we had from from the folks up there was great. Um, he was able to come home on Sunday. Uh, everything uh, has been very positive in terms of tests and, and what they've done. There's still more to do, but everything has really been as good as it can be. And we're communicating with him daily. And we don't have a, a time frame or anything like that, of course, on return, but very uh, optimistic uh, considering the scare that, that, uh, he had. No doubt. And for, for a young player, especially boy, that's, that's, uh, that's a unique experience for sure. Uh, so we'll move on, move on from that game. Now you are at a point your season where you've got three left and you need three to be bowl eligible. There can be a, you know, the freeing of playing free and being, you know, playing fearless. One comes from competence and confidence, right? You build competence, you build confidence, and you can just play free because you're not worried about making mistakes. Another one can be you're at that point of the season where you say, it's, we got to, that's mm -hmm. it. We got to throw it out there. We got to go. And and you can either play tight or you can play free. How do you coax? And here's the mindset question, right? How do you coax the team to say, screw it, let's go. We got to play free and, and just get rid of that fear and go after it. Yeah. I think it's just, um, talking about exactly what you just hit on is aggressive, but not careless. Mm -hmm. You know, confidence is uh, built through preparation and performance. And that's why we talked about earlier, you know, all the little things and the detail of how we play this quarters matchup and uh, how we run this route or how we block this certain look and doing a great job during the week. So when the game gets here that you can cut it loose and you're playing fast and, you know, understanding that, we're aiming for perfection and settling for less than that potentially. But uh, the uh, 
I think the mentality and not playing what we don't want to do is go out there and in fear of making a mistake, you know, and, and not and quote unquote missing. We're not doing that. You know, we're going to stay aggressive. And uh, that comes through per, per preparation. And we got confidence in the guys to get that done. But uh, yeah, I think it's a little, you know, each player kind of goes through that process a little bit differently, but certainly something we're tuned into, uh, especially this week. And how hard is that? I, I know we always come back to this question, right? Because this is the key to football. As I coach and, and watching it my whole time as a player, like I felt like I'm just going to go, like let it all hang out and, and play and and let the chips fall where they may. Be prepared, but go 100 miles an hour. And you tell guys all the time, even if you miss, miss going 100 miles an hour with your hair on fire, like selling out 95%, that, that last 5% reserve is there just for control. But other than that, you are going 100%. And I see it all the time in players when I played, and I see it all the time in players now when I coach, trying to convince them to do that. How difficult is it? Yeah, I think that that's, a, that's a great point. And we all know what we're looking for, just as you alluded to. We want that mentality that you're just on the edge and you're not careless, but you are aggressive. I do think there's an element of, you know, personality traits have something to do with that because they're not all the same. The players aren't all the same, even though we want them to approach something the same. Um, you talk about it and some guys get it. You know, within, I mean, there's guys on our team, there's a freshman playing on defense. That's just how he's going to play. I already know yeah. that, you know, and then there's some guys who are a little bit older who's, you know, just they're different people and they don't, they may be very calculated or, uh, you know, maybe think about things a lot. And so trying to get them to that point and, uh, and how we communicate with them is really important. You know, how you, how you communicate with a guy. So you get them to that point. I think that's the art of coaching because they're not all the same and how you get that player to that point where they uh, will do exactly what you and I were just talking about um, is part of the art of coaching. How do we help them get there? Yeah. I'd, you know, quick story. I was a sophomore in high school and I, I remember the guy by the name of Paul DeFilippo, right? He was a stud linebacker, stud running back. Uh, and his, his brother actually came to Cal with me on a scholarship. So good football players, the whole family was, but, he used to pick on me as a sophomore and finally one day I'm like, forget this. I am going to turn it loose as a safety. And I literally decleated him coming through the hole on a trap, right? From safety downhill. I realized at that moment, like that's when it clicked for me. Oh, if you sell out and you're under control, good things happen. Yeah, right. And yeah. from there on out for the rest of my career, that's how I played every single snap because I realized that was where it was at. Such a hard thing to teach young players, it's like finding that aha moment for them that that happens. You got it. Yeah. Again, I think it's the art of coaching and also, you know, just the personality traits that uh, you see in different players and learning, kind of learning the individual and, and again, getting that out of them and bringing that out of them. However, you got to do that. That's that to me is the, the, uh, the magic. That is magic. And that, yeah, that is the art piece of it, yeah. right? There's X's and O's and there's all of that stuff, but the art is relating to different people and getting them to play at their peak. So as you can see, Coach, uh, also a little frustrated. Obviously, I think the the key point there is great talent oftentimes exposes technical flaws and creates technical flaws. And that happened a ton in this game versus Oregon up there in Autzen Stadium. So uh, the Bears this week back versus Washington State. It's an opportunity for a win for sure. Washington State has not been performing well, had a big loss against Stanford in a monsoon last week. And so I don't know how much you can take from that game, but they have been on a four game slide. So 
early on, I thought they were going to be terrific. Last four games, I have not thought so. I will break them down coming up here later on in the week. Looking forward this week, hopefully, to watching the Bears get a win versus the Cougars coming into Memorial Stadium. But until then, appreciate you guys watching. I'm Mike Pulaski for Ultimate Insider and Bear Insider. Go Bears.